Well, isn't this going to be fun? We'll have a little Sunday chat. At least, I'm intending for this broadcast to be on Sunday. You might hear it on Monday or Tuesday, but that's all right, too. All you have to do is think about what did my preacher preach about the last time I went to church? And that'll cover this. For the question is, which sins did your preacher speak about today? Think about that. What kind of warning did he give? I think as the church in general, we all feel that we're moving much closer to the return of Jesus. As Jesus returns, sin increases. Jesus warned us in Matthew 24, because iniquity shall abound at the end times, the love of many I think that means toward the word of God, will wax cold. That's Matthew 24. That's a very strong warning that Jesus gave us before he was crucified and resurrected. Let's look at that once again. It's in Matthew 24. So let's look at this. Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13. Jesus warns us. And because iniquity, and Jesus is speaking of the last days, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And I believe he's speaking of the love of many toward the Bible and things of God shall wax cold because of the iniquity that is abounding. And Jesus says, But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. If we had bombs falling on our property or our city, we'd probably jump up and pay attention, wouldn't we? We'd probably run to the window and look outside to see how close the bomb got. We'd probably hide in a closet. We'd probably take action because war is going on. But when it's a time of peace, don't you become a little bit lax, lackadaisical, careless, drowsy? It's hard to sleep when bombs are falling. At least I think it would be. Well, we've got bombs falling all around us today as we approach the return of Jesus. There are all types of increases in wickedness on television, probably in your own household, certainly in the community. And in the church, it's rampant. You just don't see it. Maybe because you may be asleep. Well, let's see if you can wake up a little bit. So think about this. If you went to church today, what sins were you warned about? Was your preacher warning you? Was he warning you to wake up and be careful? Or was he saying things like, Oh, let's all be happy in the Lord. Jesus protects us. There's no problem. You're a Christian. There's no problem. Was he saying that? What kind of message was he giving you today? Let me give us a message from the Apostle Paul concerning today. I think we would call this the last days, wouldn't we? 
the end times? Well, here's what Paul would be speaking to us today. Paul would be saying, In the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, unable to control themselves, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minders, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. Who is Paul speaking about here? Is it the world or is he speaking about the church? Verse 5 gives us a clue Paul says, having a form of godliness. The people he's speaking about have a form of godliness. I don't think the world has a form of godliness. They showed on television, even with this virus going on, they showed college students on spring break at the beaches. Didn't look like a form of godliness to me. The people Paul is speaking of here in 2 Timothy chapter 3 has to be the churches. He's warning us about people in the churches because he says they will have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. That's verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 3. They deny the power thereof. If something's got power, you pay attention to it. If a scripture has power, you pay attention to it. What about that scripture where it, where it says, the man who marries the divorced woman commits adultery? Well, if that scripture has power in the life of that person, he'll pay attention to it. But if it does not have power, and it's just some words, he'll just go right on and marry the divorced woman if he even knows the scripture exists. Is your, is your pastor warning you about this? Matthew five thirty two, Jesus said, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Are you having your pastor warn you about this? Are the men in the congregation who are not married, are they aware of this? Are they aware by the preacher preaching to the church? Are they aware that if they marry a divorced woman, they commit adultery? Are they aware of this? Have you ever heard it at church? Matthew 5.32, the words of Jesus. Don't you think this is strange? In all of the decades of the past where I've attended church, I've never heard this spoken. Why not? I think I know the reason it's not spoken. I attended a dinner at Texas Tech University when I lived in Lubbock. It was a dinner at their museum, secular dinner. They seated us at by name cards at tables. I was seated next to 
a man who was wearing the biggest cross around his neck that I've ever seen. I felt I was probably in trouble immediately. He began talking, basically to the whole group at the table. These were round tables. He began talking to everyone at the table, and he said, Oh, he said, I'm former pastor of Indiana Street Baptist Church. We have such a problem at our church. And everybody looked at him. And he went on to say, We have so many people trying to come to church that we just can't seat everybody. So we keep adding on to our church building. And we still can't seat everybody. I spoke up and said, well, if you would begin speaking the words that Jesus spoke, where he said in Matthew 5.32, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery, then about one half of your congregation would leave you and you wouldn't have any trouble seating the ones that remained. His mouth fell open. I got up and fled. They hadn't served the meal, but I didn't care. I was not going to stay there. But this is true. Why don't they speak these things? Because people would leave them and they want big congregations. Why don't they speak about sin? If you're not hearing your preachers speak about sin, look around at the number of cars on your parking lot. Are they getting bigger or smaller? What happens if you speak about sin? Well, the people committing sin will leave you. But you can easily get people to come to church if you'll just speak about prosperity. Why, the faith movement is one of the largest growing uh, groups in the United States and has been for decades. It's real interesting because back when I was in the faith movement, back in the early 80s, we had a nice storm. I never missed church. I never missed it. It was my social life. It was all the social life I had. So I was always at church. One Sunday, we had an ice storm. I lived in Dallas. And when they had ice storms in Dallas, you just didn't move around. They had absolutely no road cleaning like they do in the winter, in the winter states where they're used to snow and ice. So we just had to stay home. There was a Methodist church that was just about two blocks away from my apartment. So I thought, well, I'll just walk over there and go to church. As I walked over to this Methodist church, I began noticing the cars on the parking lot. There were Rolls Royce, Rolls Royces, Bentleys, Merce lots of Mercedes. And I thought, what's going on? These people don't know much Bible at First Methodist Church, Highland Park Methodist Church in Dallas. It was Highland Park Methodist Church. They don't know much Bible. Look at all these cars, luxury cars. Whereas at Word of Faith out in Farmer's Branch, north of Dallas, why, the car lot was filled with junkers. 
like my car. And yet the message was constantly prosperity. What is going on? I kind of had my eyes opened a little bit. I was in one of the richest areas of the city of Dallas, Highland Park. I had a simple apartment there right at the campus of SMU. I just had a very modest apartment. It was sort of looked like a Quonset hut. But I was in the wealthiest part of the entire state of Texas. These were basically extremely worldly people, but they inherited oil wells. Whereas the ones at Word of Faith, for the most part, were ones coming to Word of Faith because of the message of prosperity, thinking they could become prosperous by doing the things of this message. And many parts of the message were true. There was just one major flaw in the message. They weren't telling you to seek the will of God for your life. Rather, they were telling you to find a scripture which justified you getting what you wanted and claim that scripture every day, praying that scripture every day. Some people called them the name it and claim it boys because of that. Yet there were a lot of good things there. But you don't measure a church by the number of good things or even the number of bad things. If there's one bad thing going on, you get out of it. Even as a baby Christian, I did that, not knowing anything. I was going, at when I was first uh, born again, I was going to a small church in Dallas called Believer's Chapel. Their ministers were professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. The doctrine that Believer's Chapel was somewhere between Baptist and Church of Christ. The preacher, when I first started going there, was preaching about tongues, and he said tongues are of the devil. Well, I'm sure I didn't even know what a tongue was and had never heard of speaking in tongues. So I didn't really have a high level of caring about tongues, but I would sit there and listen to him. One day I was looking in the Bible at 1 Corinthians 14, and verse 39, Paul said, forbid not to speak with tongues. Well, that's exactly opposite to what was happening at the church I was attending. I was shocked. Now I've got to choose between going to that church, or staying with that Bible. So I chose the Bible over the church. And that was as a baby Christian. It has to matter to us. Well, let's go on about this subject of what did you hear today? What kind of sins were you being warned about when you went to church today? Stop and think about that for a moment. List the things the preacher said to you. List the sins that he warned you about. We're in the last days. 
Jesus says iniquity will abound. He says the love of many for the word of God will wax cold because iniquity abounds. Surely you're being warned at church about sins. Are you? Well, you may not really know what your preacher is talking about. Hopefully you know a little bit, maybe, just so you can evaluate it. I know when I was first born again and went to church, all I wanted to do was find a Christian husband. I mean, where would you go to look for a Christian husband? Makes makes sense to me that you'd go to church to look for a Christian husband. Although, the reason I went to church is my best friend told me, Joni, now that you're a Christian, you have to go to church. And I says, I do? And she said, yes. So I went to church. But then it didn't take me long to figure out that that's where you might find a Christian husband. And I went to the singles classes, especially for the purpose of looking for a Christian husband. So maybe that's your motive. Are you sitting there looking around that room, looking at every man you can see if you're a woman, and thinking, well, now what about him? And then you see him with a wedding band on his hand, and hopefully you back off. I don't know, today things are so awful, you might be trying to steal him away from a wife. I certainly hope not. But I wouldn't be surprised at anything that's going on today in churches. Because you're just not being warned about it. If you're not warned about sin, and you're a new Christian, and all you're hearing is, all of your sins are paid for, Jesus forgives you, be happy, God wants you to be happy. Well, a woman said to me one time when, when she found out her father, she was an adult-aged woman. She was the op, my beauty operator who was cutting my hair. She found out her father was committing adultery. When she found out, and I knew, and everybody knew, we lived in a small town at that time. When she found out, she said to me, well, if it makes him happy, that's, that's important, if it makes him happy. And I said to her, well, it might make your mother happy to take a gun and shoot him. But I don't think that's what she should do. Because the restraint is gone. Because preachers have stopped preaching about sin because they want large groups to come to their churches. If your church is growing rapidly, you have a very strong spotlight on your church. Why is it growing rapidly? Is it because your preacher is preaching about sin and all the sinners are coming to see how to be saved? Well, of course not. <laughs> They're coming to be approved by the church and to look godly while they commit their sins. This is just clear. If they're speaking about sins, their sizes of the churches will get smaller. Jesus said few would find the way of life. Matthew 20. No, no, it's Matthew chapter 7 where he said that. Few will find the way of life. Many will go 
in this broad way. The gate is wide. They go in the way of destruction. But few find the way of life, which is following the scriptures. That's the way of life. Think about this. I'm speaking truth to you from the Spirit of God. So what sins did your preacher speak about today? Let's just look at a list of sins and you can see if he spoke of any of these today. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 lists several sins that Paul warns us about. So let's let him warn us about it right now. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. So is your preacher today talking about fornication and warning you? Think about it. Other sins. Nor idolaters. They probably don't even know what that is. They probably don't realize the fact that they're calling themselves reverend sets themselves up as an idol for their church group. And they may not even know that calling themselves reverend is a sin. They may not even know that the word reverend is not in the Bible concerning any man. Holy and reverend is God's name. There was a man living across the street from me when I lived in Lubbock, Texas. He was very sick, and pastors were always coming from the Methodist church to see him, and I was always going over to Gordon's and talking to him. And at one point, I gave him a copy of my radio broadcast that I had done, and he listened to it and liked it, and then he gave it to the Methodist pastor that was visiting him. When the pastor came back over, Gordon said, well, what did you think about it? He says, well, she sure does know a lot about Bible. So Gordon asked the pastor a question, and the pastor of the Methodist church where he, that he attended said to him, oh, well, I don't know anything about Bible. That's the pastor. So it could be pretty dark out there. Anyway, um, other sins... Adulterers, effeminate, homosexual, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, deceiving people over something that you're trying to get money from them for, a piece of equipment, just not telling them about the flaw in the equipment. That would be an example of abusing yourself with mankind. The world does that all the time, but we are the church. And Paul is warning us, you can't live like the world. Then Paul says, nor thieves, nor covetous. Covetous, wanting something that someone else has. When I was a very young person, 19 or so, I was just moved to Dallas and I had the radio on in my car. The newscaster was telling about this a man that was so prosperous and at that time famous, I think his name was Billy Joe something. 
And he was, I think, a local citizen in Dallas. And I thought, oh, think about how wonderful it would be to be his wife. Wouldn't that be great? And, of course, the little covetousness, I'm sure, was there. Well, I wasn't even born again at that time. But anyway, the next week, they told about Billy Joe being arrested and put in jail. And he went to prison. That's how he got that money. I had a wake-up call on that. Don't consider how wonderful it is for the wife to be married to this rich, famous person. So some are covetous. Being warned about being covetous. Nor drunkards, nor revilers. A reviler is a person who rails out against people in anger. A sharp tongue doesn't have any control whatsoever and just lashes out. That's a reviler. And then Paul warns us about extortioners. Well, unfortunately, one of the greatest number of extortioners are your pastors who use scripture to try to twist you to get you to give money to them. Is that happening at your church? Oh, they did that at Word of Faith every Sunday. Every Sunday. I don't remember a Sunday that we didn't have that going on. Now, I always gave money freely because I was so grateful to God. But there was plenty of extortion going on at that church that I attended from the pastor. So are these the things the pastor's warning you about? Well, if he's an extortioner himself trying to get your money by using Scripture... He is not warning you about sins in the church. Or if he's trying to get a big church. Lots of people. Well, let me read this First uh, Corinthians 6 once again in context. Paul warns us, Know ye not that the unrighteousness shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's another little warning Paul would speak to us. At the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. Even if you're having sex with a prostitute, the two people become one flesh. Paul warns the church in 1 Corinthians 6. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith God, shall be one flesh. That is the way you become one flesh. Then Paul says, flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. 
Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So is this the kind of warning you're hearing at church? This is another thing I have never heard spoken at church. I have never heard them explain that at the time of sexual intercourse, the two people become one flesh. What do you think makes you one flesh? A marriage certificate? They didn't even have marriage certificates in the Old Testament. There's no such thing. At least it's not visible for us to see it. It's not in the Bible. God had a surer way to deal with this one flesh business. Something that was going to cause you to be one flesh. And that is sexual intercourse. And Paul warns them about it. We aren't warning the church today about the subject. Are, you, are the, your children, your teenage children being warned about this? Boy, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. What should be happening if we're not warning our children at the churches? Why not? Why not? We have a church person that was in our church group that was raised Baptist. They made or they had them sign a pledge. She was a teenager. She was in the Baptist church. The pastor had them sign a pledge that they would not have sex outside of marriage before they were married. She had sex when she was 17 outside of marriage, became pregnant, and then later married. See, nothing's strong enough. That's not strong enough to keep them from having sex. The only thing strong enough might be this one scripture. If you have sex with that person, you become one flesh. Now, some of them might want to be one flesh with the person. But I think most of them would pay attention to this. I think if, if you could talk to the teenagers at your church today about this subject... You might reach some of them in a way that would work because the scriptures are the only thing powerful enough to keep us. The minute the scriptures were removed from the churches, Antichrist moved in. Just one little scripture being removed, such as, the man who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Remove that scripture. You open the gate for Antichrist to come into your church group. So I'll ask you again. What did you hear at church today? What did the preacher talk to you about? Examine it. The scriptures I have uh, shared with you today are printed on our blog, so you can see all of the scriptures. If you will go to our blog, Jesus Ministries Exhortations, on the right-hand side you, of the homepage, you will see Podcast. Click on that link. It will take you to all of the broadcast and look for the broadcast entitled which sins did your preacher speak about today? Look at that and click on that and that'll bring all the scriptures up for you. Again, the 
Ex- the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Well, our little Sunday chat was fun, wasn't it? This is Joan Boney speaking, and I do thank you for listening to this broadcast.